Are you one of our regular students for Self-Improvement Wednesday? Each week you get to learn something new. Your lesson this week, Invertebrate Tricksters. Your teacher is Dr Eliza Middleton. She's lab manager of the Invertebrate Behaviour and Ecology Lab at the University of Sydney. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Now, Eliza, today is, is April Fool's Day. No one's in the mood for April Fool's jokes today. But I'll tell you <laughs> no. what, as a kind of little nod to it, though, you're going to talk to us about the animals, which their whole life really is about fooling other animals. Well, yeah, I thought, you know, we've, we've talked about mimicry before, which is a way that some invertebrates um, trick their predators or their prey. But you know, I, th- I thought with everything going on, we still need a bit of levity. So why not talk about some other insects that, uh, aside from mimicry, use some really interesting techniques to, to fool their predators and prey. You look like poo, one animal might say <laughs> to another. Yes, there are. Um, there's this weird fascination with invertebrates and, and poo. I'm not sure what it's about, except that maybe it's just a really good way to not get eaten. So there's these um, bird-dropping caterpillars that look like exactly what they sound like. Uh, they're found in the swallowtail butterflies, and it allows the young caterpillars, caterpillars to remain out in the open foraging without being eaten because who wants to eat something that looks like bird poo? Okay, so if, but if, if, also... if, if, if an animal looks at them, they'll think that's just a, a bit of uh, that's a bird dropping. Yeah, they look very convincingly like... You know, they've got a kind of glossy sheen to them and they've got the, the white and the darker patches that, you know, if you've ever seen some bird poo before, it just it kind of looks like some bird poo. There's even bird, there are even spiders that look like bird droppings. Yeah, there's, there's these really great uh, orb-weaving spiders that I like, actually, that, you know, by day they just look like a bit of poo and no one's going to eat that to kind of help them escape predation from um, from birds. But then at night, they then have this other way of tricking their prey. So first they trick their predators by looking like poo, but then they trick their prey by releasing a pheromone that mimics the sex pheromones of female moths, and that draws in male moths thinking that they're going to get lucky for the night, and instead they get caught by this bird poo spider and eaten. Very clever, the bird dropping spider. (laughs) Um, What about, tell me about the green tortoise beetle, because this is particularly gross. This one is. So the, the green tortoise beetle in their adult form is a, a, a very flat green beetle. It's got a hard exoskeleton, a very low profile, so it sits very close to the leaf, making it difficult to, to find or to grab. But the larvae don't have that tough protection. So instead, they have these little spiny bodies that they get their own poo and put that on the spines on their back to create a fecal shield. <laughs> so they sort of paint themselves in their own poo. <laughs> yeah, and that and that works. Well, it would work, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, I guess it would. Um, here's a kind of evil kind of idea. You sneak in as prey and then become a predator. So there are these insects which lay eggs that look like seeds and the ants pick them up and take them to their nest thinking, oh, we've got some food we can eat later. Yeah, so we've got, you, you might be familiar with the stick and the leaf insects, the phasmids. They lay eggs that look like seeds. 
the ants take them down into the nest thinking I'll eat that later. And in the stick insects, they don't get too brutal. They just hatch out, look like an ant, behave like an ant, and quickly run out of the nest and up into a tree and away from ants before they're eaten. But the Alcon blue butterfly lays eggs on a plant, and when the caterpillars hatch out, they drop down onto the ground and smell really similar to several species of Amicia ants. And the ants think, oh my gosh, I've just found one of our lost ant grubs. I need to take this back to the nest. They take it back into the nest. They smell so much like the colony and like a, and they make noises and vibrations that make them seem like they're a larval queen ant that these other ants go, oh my gosh, we need to feed this, this baby queen ant. We need to get her really well looked after. But then for about 10 months, they then become carnivores and they eat up the other ant grubs whilst the ants are still feeding them and caring for them as if they're their own ant. It's so devilish, isn't it? It's like taking a little human (laughs) baby into a household and say, this is your baby, but secretly it's not your baby at all. It just looks like (laughs) your baby, and it's about to jump on you. Yeah, and then it starts eating you. Yeah, yeah, okay. The, 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 The wonderful story of the Alcon Blue Butterfly. Tell me about assassin bugs because they've got a whole range of these behaviours. Yeah, assassin bugs are really, really cool. Some of them, you know, uh, disguise themselves as ants to, you know, sneak in and eat real ants. And so they have really great use of camouflage to ambush their prey. Uh, There is one species, or there's a couple of species actually, that, that feed on spiders. And when they find a web, They'll get to the edge and just tap on the silk thread, sending through vibrations that are similar to those of an insect that's been stuck in the web. So the spider feels those and heads over, thinking that it's going to, you know, catch this thing that's gotten stuck in the web, but instead it gets ambushed and killed by this assassin bug. But there's another assassin bug that, again, it's very unique and I I really like its its approach. Um, You know, they're... Assassin bugs are just as much as some of them prey on spiders, they are the prey of spiders. So one has found a way to decrease its chance of being spotted and eaten, and that's by carrying around the corpses of ants that it's killed piled on its back. And why does it do that? To fool that they're, some, that they're not, to, to, to try to pretend to be something else or, or to send a sort of, here's, here's ones we dealt with earlier? <laughs> It's a bit of a Lord of the Flies kind of thing. Yeah. But one, one of the ideas is that uh, the, the prey of these assassin bugs are, are generally jumping spiders. But jumping spiders aren't really that keen on ants because ants are aggressive and annoying and there's so many of them. So perhaps having all of these ants and maybe the smell of the ants is enough to turn a spider off or it's they're less likely to be recognised because their silhouette has been disrupted by this mound of corpses on their back. Uh, but they're ten times more likely to be recognised and eaten if they don't have this mound of dead ants carrying around oh, with God. them. Nature red in tooth and claw. The great <laughs> battle of, of na- one of the great battles of nature is that between moths and bats. Yeah, it, it's it's one of those classic evolutionary races, you know, the the bats are trying to get better at catching the moths and the moths are trying to get better at not being caught by the bat, you know, because a moth is large, it's fat, it's nutrient dense, it's, you know, really great for any predator, any night flying predator. 
And uh, the bats themselves really want it. They use echolocation to try and find them. Uh, but there's a couple of examples of how these moths have adapted to outsmart the bats. So one is the African moon moth, and these things are huge. When they have their wings fully unfurled, they're almost as big as a ping-pong paddle, so they're huge. And their wings have these long, gorgeous tails, and the tails, they look like they're a hindrance to how these moths could actually fly, but they deflect the sound waves that the bats are using to echolocate. So the bat, instead, when it's hunting, instead of thinking that there's one big fat moth in front of it, it thinks there's two moths right in front of it. And the target of those two moths aim the bat away from the juicy, vulnerable middle bit of the moth. And instead, they might strike slightly off center, maybe catch the edge of the wing instead of actually getting the middle juicy part of the moth and the moth can get away. Mm-hmm. Some of them, they, they just send out wrong, wrong radar sig- signals, really, to, to the bats. Yeah, uh, nature is is really weird. There's um, tiger moths and hawk moths are really good at at misdirection. They produce their own ultrasound waves, their own kind of interfering waves through vibrating their genitals. And that interferes with the bat's ability to hear the echoes of its own ultrasound. So it just jams that bat's radar, letting the moths get away. And what they fly around jangling their own genitals. Yeah, yeah, just rubbing their genitals so that they vibrate and send out these piercing ultrasonic sounds that, you know, we can't hear, but it screws with the bat's ability to find them. Okay, it's a way for them to stay alive. How amazing is that? (laughs) Live another day. They live another day, the animals that fool other animals in order not to be someone else's supper. Eliza, fantastic lesson. Thank you so much. Thank you. There's Eliza Middleton. The animals that fool other animals. The invertebrate tricksters. You can listen again, of course, to Eliza Middleton's lesson online, abc.net.au slash Sydney. She's lab manager of the Invertebrate Behaviour and Ecology Lab at the University of Sydney. Uh, You'll find details there of how to subscribe to the free Self-Improvement Wednesday podcast next week. Vanessa Perotta from the Marine Predator Research Group at Macquarie University. That's Self-Improvement Wednesday next week.